welcome to VinePair, a podcast about the conversations you have with a glass in hand. From VinePair's headquarters in New York City, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And today on the podcast, we're talking about how much knowledge your sommelier should actually have. And Zach, because you work on the floor and have been in restaurants forever, you're going to be my expert and I'm going to be the novice. And I'm going to chat with you about this very question. Perfect. So, uh, you know, the question is something that I've gotten a lot, which is, you know, how much knowledge does the SOM actually have? Um, and what is the conversation you should be having with the SOM when you go into dine at a restaurant? And to be honest with you, I've, I've, I'm pretty torn about this. I, I think that, you know, your SOM should have knowledge, but I also think your SOM shouldn't have so much knowledge that they come off as a know-it-all when you interact with them. Um, but, you know, my biggest question for you is when I sit down at the restaurant uh, and I'm about to look at the, at the wine list, what should I expect from you in that first interaction? Well, I think the, the single most important thing is that as a sommelier, if you are the person who is the expert in, in a given interaction, it's your job to be knowledgeable without being overbearing about it. And I think in the case of uh, going into someone's restaurant, if, if, I'm, if I'm the sommelier and you come in and sit down, it's, my, it's incumbent upon me to know the wines on my list first and foremost to be able to answer pretty much any reasonable question about them, whether that's something about uh, the varietals in, in them, especially if they're not clearly listed on the wine list, or something about the winemaking style, the place that they're from, possibly the producer, the vintage, all those sorts of things the sommelier should be able to speak to in a kind of clear and understandable way. And I think reading your guest and understanding that maybe they don't necessarily need a five-minute treatise on whole cluster fermentation when they're talking to them <laughs> about a wine is important. And I think that can be a challenging thing for some sommeliers to dial back. You know, you can have all that information and you really just need to figure out how much what the what the customer is really asking you, and ninety nine percent of the time, what they're basically saying is that what they basically want is if they're talking about a specific wine, they essentially want you to give them permission to drink it, and they want you to tell them that it's a good wine, and hopefully, if you're putting together a good list, they should all be good wines, and maybe that what they've told you that they might want is um, that wine will fit into that style and into their budget, and I think those are all considerations that the sommelier should be able to address without having to work too hard at it. And if you can't do those basic things and can't do them in a way that kind of keeps someone comfortable in that interaction, then then something's gone a little bit wrong. Because in the end, you know, sommelier has come to mean wine expert from a very sort of knowledge based, test oriented. Uh, perspective in modern American culture, but the, the the industry itself and the job itself really is a service job first and foremost. And you know, deep knowledge of of wine is obviously useful and sometimes um, essential in that job. But more often than not, it's just like, can you make someone feel comfortable with the choices they're making? Well, so I guess that that brings up my other question I, I wanted to ask in that first interaction is like, should I expect you to be wearing a pin? Uh, <laughs> Or not, because I think in the majority of the places that I go out to eat in New York City, I actually don't think the person I'm talking to about the wine list is a SOM. I think they are a waiter or waitress because the restaurant usually doesn't have a SOM. So what what should I expect from from any of that? And should I take someone more seriously who has that pin or not? I mean, I think there are – the pin is shorthand, right? The pin is says – depending on which pin it is – says, you know, basically this person has done a certain amount of work. They've demonstrated a certain aptitude and competence in uh, theory of wine, blind tasting, and service. And those are not insignificant things. I personally don't wear my pin on the floor. Um, I feel like in the – I did for a while, and I felt like it's actually – 
sometimes made guests more uncomfortable than um, than not wearing it, um, or it's made people feel like they have to that, that I can't be casual with them, which is I think especially for me and my restaurants an, an incredibly important thing. I don't want people to feel like I have to provide them with extremely formal wine service, um, but I do think that. It's important that no matter who you're interacting with, if it's a restaurant of some quality, I mean, if you walk into, uh, you know, a very kind of casual neighborhood joint, you know, your server might not know much about wine. They might be a student. They might be relatively new to the industry. They might be there just passing time, and they may not be able to answer your questions in any kind of real way, and hopefully Mm -hmm. they don't. Uh, lie to you, but hopefully, you know, they, they might have to go ask a manager. They might not be able to know. Um, but in a place with a some quality wine program or with a certain level of service, even if they don't have an actual sommelier on the floor, I think it's totally reasonable to expect that your server is either capable of answering, again, sort of reasonable questions about the wine or finding someone who can. And sometimes that's another server or the manager or whomever. But it is, to me, you know, if you're going to put a reasonable number of wines on your list, if you're going to put a reasonable number of expensive wines on your list, you should probably have someone who is capable of actually interacting with guests about those things uh, on the floor at all times. Well, so speaking about, uh, you know, someone who's going to put a reasonable amount of expensive wines on the list. So another Psalm uh, mentioned to me in passing recently that, you know, he was talking to younger Psalms on the floor of some of the restaurants that he's the beverage director of. um, And he found that those younger Psalms only actually knew the expensive wines. So when he was talking to them, he'd say, you know, what's your favorite wines on our list? And they would always start listing off, you know, the the really high price bottles because obviously those are the bottles that are just people can gravitate to because you're like, wow, this is so expensive. And because I'm in this job, I get this opportunity to taste them, et cetera. And he was really angry about that and said, you know, why do you not love some of the bottles on the list we are specifically putting at the $50 to $75 price point? And they all kind of like turned their nose up at that. And, you know, he was he was pretty upset about that because he felt that they uh, they didn't realize that that's what the majority of the customers were actually coming in to buy and drink. So I'm curious, like, what, what do you think about that? I mean, uh, you know, should a psalm really get to like, what part of the list should the psalm really get to know? Well, I think it's important to know the wines that you actually sell. And I think this the, the sommelier you're speaking out or the beverage director you're speaking out is to me, a hundred percent right. Like, it's great to fixate on the expensive wines. It's cool when you get the chance to sell them, and especially if you have a guest who's excited by them and for whom spending that money on wine is a real treat and not something that they are coerced into. Um, but I think that you know, there's so much great wine in the world that is not that expensive. And is it the absolute best wine in the world? No. But if you can't put a list together, and I mean any market that has wines in that, yeah, $50, $60, $70 range, maybe up to $100 that are really like delicious, expressive of the place they're from, varietally correct and dynamic with your food, then man, you suck as a wine director. Like you are doing a (laughs) terrible fucking job. And I mean, sadly, there are a lot of people like that out there um, who just kind of consider those, that part of the list, like whatever beneath them or boring or, or I don't know, they don't, I'm not sure what they're doing, but, but it's like that, like, I get it. It's not, it's not the stuff that looks cool on Instagram. Like it's not the stuff that when you talk about it with, with other people in industry, they're envious of, Oh man, you, you know, no one's like talking about their, you know, re- their reasonable sort of affordable priced, you know, Chianti Classico as like an <laughs> allocated wine that man, they're so cool. Cause they got a case of it. Like, you know, there's a lot of that shit in the industry. And I mean, I probably have been guilty of it a little bit too. Cause you know, sometimes we get carried away, but, but I mean, again, it's like, they're, they're just our, I mean, this is a, 
a, a little bit of an aside, but man, there are so many lists I see, um, you know, at, going out to eat uh, around the country, uh, talking to people, interviewing people um, who work programs and just like lists that I'm like, man, who are you building this wine program for? Like where, what, what are, who are your guests? Because either they are like the most, you have just nothing but like the rarest, uh, like wine unicorns walking in through your restaurant every single night or you're not making a list that serves your actual guests. You're making a list that like looks cool when your buddies come in every couple of months and they're like, Oh man, you have that on your list. How cool. And like, you know, weirdly you've had that same, those same three bottles since you opened. There's a lot of that here in New York. I mean, I think there's, you know, I think I personally find that it probably is a desire to get press or to think that it's what's going to get you press. Um, I don't really think it does because look, we are press and that's not something that we, <laughs> uh, we gravitate to writing about. But, uh, I think, yeah, it, it's, it's because it's felt that that's the best way to make a statement. If you make a list that actually reflects the way consumers actually buy and drink wine, it, it's not the, it's not the list that you think is the most exciting. I think it's the list that's the most realistic to keep the restaurant in business. Um, but it's not the list that I think everyone's like, Whoa, Oh my God, you're pouring everything from Magnum. That is amazing. Yeah. And like, yes, I also think that's super cool that you had the opportunity to only bring in Magnums and, and that's what you're selling on your list. But I mean, come on, like most people aren't walking in and being like, Whoa, this is from Magnum. Can't believe it, man. This is, that's for other Psalms. Yeah. Um, so let's talk to me real quick about the thing that, you know, every American hates talking about Zach. And that's money. So how do I have the conversation about money? And how how open should the psalm be to me and you having the conversation about money? So I actually think I have changed my approach on this a little bit over the years as I've been gotten more experienced. I actually talk about money a lot. And I actually think that a, a thing that I believe is that guests should have a pretty good idea in their head of what they want to spend on a bottle of wine and should be comfortable saying that. Because we all know it's a financial decision in part. There are very few people who go out to eat who don't care what their wine costs. And that doesn't matter whether their price range is 30 to $50 for a bottle of wine or 300 to $500 for a bottle of wine. Everyone has their price. Everyone has the price point they're comfortable with. And it's you know, as long as it's a price point that my list has, which is both of those, but not necessarily, I don't necessarily have wines in the $3,000 range. So, you know, that outside of that, I think it's an incredibly reasonable thing to make a decision about. We, we make decisions about things based on their cost all the time in our life. And to think that wine and that dining out isn't any different is silly. Now, I do think it's reasonable that if you're going to go out to a restaurant and you have, and you're going to have a dinner, have dinner there that you have a reasonable expectation for what the wine program is going to look like. If you go out to a fairly nice restaurant, like the ones that might have a sommelier, probably their wine list isn't going to have much in the $25 for a bottle range. I mean, there might be restaurants, places that do, but for the most part, you're looking at a minimum of $35, $40 for a bottle of wine and more realistically, 50 to 75 for stuff that the sommelier is probably going to feel pretty uh, strongly about as being of quality. And if you're not comfortable with that, that's totally fine. It's not my expectation that everyone order a bottle of wine, but that's probably a good place to start. And so I frankly, the conversation I have with my guests most often is, what do you like to drink? Are you, you know, because again, I'm in Seattle, so a lot of my uh, guests want local wine, but I will often ask them if they care whether the wine is local or not. I might ask, do you want to try something new or do you want to have something familiar? And then I'll ask how much they want to spend. And I think that for maybe a few people is a little bit uncomfortable, but to me, I'd rather know right away what your price range is and then not 
either insult you by recommending wine that's way below what you want to spend or make you uncomfortable by only recommending wines that are out of your price range. Um, and I think if we don't talk about it at all, then it kind of ignores the fact that people are going to judge their experience based on how they feel like they did value-wise, not just an absolute sense of, well, is this wine good or not? If the wine, if they think the wine's pretty good, but they spent $250 on it, they're probably going to be unhappy. And if they think the wine's pretty good and they spent $50 on it, they'll probably be pretty happy. I love that. I mean, that's, I think it is, it's a conversation that none of us really feel comfortable having, but I think it is one that's really important to have. Even if you do it in saying, you know, I'm looking for something around this and just point to a wine with even without even saying 60 bucks. Yeah. But you know, the the server is very aware that the wine that <laughs> you pointed to is $60. I, I, I do. I started doing that, um, you know, not super recently, but over in the past few, over the past few years. And it, it does help. I mean, because if I just, if I sat down and said, I feel like, yo, give me the craziest, geekiest thing you got. I might be recommended a, a wine for 150 bucks, mm -hmm. which is my own fault because I just basically said to the the server, yo, give me what's crazy. Yeah. Instead of saying like, look, I'm really not in the position right now to be dropping 150 on a bottle. This is a casual, you know, Thursday night dinner, like we're not celebrating anything. Uh, and, uh, I, I don't have a hedge fund. So, <laughs> you know, like you don't, man, I'm going to, I'm no. going to have to make sure those, <laughs> those checks cash. I know. I wish. Um, cool. And so then in terms of the other thing that I think is really intimidating and, and for a, a consumer, when you bring that wine, what should the consumer expect from you when the wine is presented to them? And what should they expect from you when they taste the wine? Oh, this is, I love this question because to me, this is another thing that I try and encourage my guests to do. So I get a question, not probably at, almost every night, at least once from someone who's like, oh, does anyone ever send wine back? Because, you know, you open the bottle, you pour them a taste. Someone, people have different approaches. They, some smell the wine, some don't, some take a small sip, some gulp down, whatever you poured in their glass. Um, I, t I tell people every time they ask me, I say, people don't send back wine enough. Like quite honestly, I offer, you know, I tell people like my, our policy where I work is if you're not happy with the wine, like that's, we'll get you something that you'll be happy with. Now, sometimes the wine is flawed and we might bring you another bottle of the same wine and, and see if that wine is, if that bottle is better. Or maybe it's just not what you wanted stylistically or it's, you know, you, I made a recommendation and it just doesn't quite match with what you want. I mean, like anything else in a restaurant, we're there for, uh, to serve our customers first and foremost. And if people aren't happy, like it, it's not worth it to us to stick you with a bottle of wine that you're not happy with. Like I don't, we don't have anything, again, we don't have anything on the list that's so expensive where like the owners would be like, how did you not charge someone for this bottle of wine? Like we'll, I mean, we don't want to eat the cost on wine all the time. But if someone is genuinely not happy with their bottle, I think it's incumbent upon guests to be truthful about that and to not feel, you know, like they can't say something. And obviously some of that is a relationship that has to be cultivated and, you know, they have to feel confident that they're not going to get looked at like, um, you know, an idiot or um, someone who's too picky. I do think that there's something for guests too, though, about understanding like if you don't ask us questions as, as service staff, as sommeliers and servers and things like that, if you make assumptions about a wine on the list that you're not familiar with and then you order it and you don't like it, you know, we'll still probably bring you something else, but it's a good time to think like, well, maybe I should ask a question or two. Like, you know, I saw this wine and I thought I would like it, but I don't. Is that is the problem with the wine or did I maybe not, did I just make an assumption that's unfounded? Because again, like, you know, there are some kinds of wines, you know, if it's a, if it's a real familiar wine, then you're probably safe ordering it without necessarily asking questions. But like, you know, I have a pretty broad, broad selection of Oregon Pinot Noir 
and those wines can be really different. And sometimes people think they like um, all Oregon Pinot, and then they order a, a wine that is not what they're expecting, and they may be unhappy with it. And of course, we want to make them happy, but we also want them to maybe let us avoid a situation where they get something they didn't want by, you know, asking us questions or by talking about what they're looking for. So, okay, I think- but so, to, but like, how does someone do that? Because for me, it's like, okay, I get what you're saying, and I, you know, I work in wine, so I understand. But someone saying, what is that conversation? Because for a lot of people, it's it's as simple as I like, you know, Willamette Valley Pinot Noir, and I I agree with you that they can be vastly different. But if that's all I know, what else am I supposed to? Tell? Should I tell you a brand that I like? Should I tell yeah. you a winery? Because what if you've never heard of that winery before? Like, what do I? Sometimes, what if I say, oh, I like. I I don't know. I, I like uh, funky, but I also like acid. But I think a lot of people really struggle with the words they're supposed sure. to use. What helps you? So I think, yeah, brands can help for sure, especially, yeah. I mean, if it's a super obscure winery, their odds are pretty good. I've never heard of it. Um, but, you know, there's definitely stuff out there that's pretty widely available. And if you say like, oh, I, you know, again, like with Oregon Pinot Noir, if you say I like, um, I don't know, I like uh, Adelsheim or I like um, – Rex Hill, those are two pretty different producers. And like, I can maybe get a better sense for the thing you're looking for. Um, at the, the flip side is like, it's not even that the specific terminology needs to be used. I think people just, if they talk about what they like, I, I'm usually, you know, part of my job is to be essentially an interpreter. And so to take, you know, sort of the the words that someone is using, which may or may not be the sort of industry standard wine lexicon and understand kind of what they're trying to explain. And some of it is also like, how much do you really care? You know, is is this person, you know, for a lot of people dining out, they want to have wine, but it's not, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to remember this, but it's not the singular focus of their evening. They're there to have a meal. They're there to maybe hang out with their friends, to have a date night with their partner, to do business. All those other things are considerations too. And I think that's actually an important part to sort of keep in mind as a as a customer is like, you know, do I, what do I want out of my wine experience and more broadly my dining experience? And sometimes it's just to have a nice bottle of wine that I'm going to enjoy, but, and that's going to be, you know, in my price range and complement the food nicely, but isn't going to demand my foremost attention. And sometimes it's like, I want a really cool, unique, interesting, different wine experience. And then, you know, that's a different conversation, but it's not, you know, I think people expect sometimes when they talk to me or when they talk to other sommeliers that like, we, we'll be disappointed if they just want like something to have with their dinner. But to me, like, I'm just stoked that someone's ordering wine, that they're there to have a bottle of wine or even glasses of wine, that they're there there to dine in a way that I personally find more enjoyable and rewarding. And if that, if the answer to that is like, hey, you know what, you're going to be really happy with just like a glass of the glass of Sauvignon Blanc on our list, then that's the answer. And that's cool, too. It's not like everything has to be something that I'm going to like you know, again, that's going to go on Instagram later that night. Like it's cool. <laughs> it's cool to have a wine that's just, that just does the trick. You know, we don't all have to have, you know, it's just like sometimes you go out and you're like, you know what I really want? Like, I really just want the roast chicken. And like no one very rarely is roast chicken, the the dish that people are like, you know, that, that gets the acclaim, but man, sometimes it's just really what you fucking want. Yeah. Well, you know, so it's funny, uh, in terms of the conversation I've thinking about psychology and the power of suggestion, um, you know, it's been told to me before that a lot of times you're more likely to, to like the wine if you've just had a conversation with the server about wine in general. Uh, And then when it comes out, you, you know, you, you just, your brain is, is signaling to yourself that, okay, I'm confident in this thing that we've just chosen because I had this conversation about it. And so therefore, you know, I'm more open to thinking it's good. And so I actually, I, 
you know, I don't think this is the best tactic, but I do know some people who work in the industry who say they'll wind up having conversations instead with, with customers about like, Oh, what kind of music do you like? Um, you know, where do you like to hang out? What's your general vibe? What, what, you know, what designers do you like random crap like that, that they say is like, Oh, you know what? Oh, you're really into these kinds of things. You're into this kind of indie rock or whatever. You're going to really dig this, this, you know, uh, crew Beaujolais hmm. and they bring it. And the person's always like, Whoa, this is awesome. Cause they feel like, you know, they had this dialogue where the person got them and what their tastes are and brought them a wine that they claim is just as indie or just as, you know, <laughs> heavy metal or whatever. Yeah. And a lot of that is just because the power of suggestion tells us that when we have these conversations about the things we like, we're more likely to like that, like something else that we're told is like the things we already like. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's part of this, too, that's like I find – a, a red flag for me with when I go out to dine with um, service staff, sommeliers or otherwise, is if they're not able to show any enthusiasm for anything that they're serving. That to me is a really worrisome sign. So I think over enthusiasm can be a little bit much. But you know, <laughs> if you ask if you ask a server, you know, hey, what do you really like on the menu? And they're like, oh, everything's good. Or they're like, oh, you know, uh, it's all kind. Of, if they're if they're not able to, if there's not a dish or two on their menu that they're excited about like man i might get up and leave because that's not a good sign like why am i about to sit down and have dinner here if like the server is like thinks the food sucks or is boring or whatever and similarly like ask your sommeliers what they like or what they're interested in or what people have been into like if you're not if you're willing to take some chances or willing to try something new like i love it when people are like hey man like here's what i want to here's kind of what i want to spend here's probably what we like but what do you what do you think is cool because you know i taste all the wines on my list i know what i think is drinking well i know what i'm excited about and again like for so many people they you know some people walk into a restaurant maybe and they have an exact idea of of what they want you know they they've looked you know some people look at menus online ahead of time they know i want this appetizer this entree this dessert and like i got it all figured out but the vast majority of people walk in and there's a reason there's a menu there so they can look at it and make a decision and then they want to know what the specials are and it's the same sort of thing right like if you walk in and you and you just sort of generally know hey you know i'm kind of in the mood for you know, i think we want to have some wine here's kind of the food we're looking at like what do you recommend you know that's a great way to do it and hopefully you'll get you know the, the majority of the time you will get a wine that is um of you know, significant quality and in the price range you feel comfortable with. And yeah, it might be from a place you're a little unfamiliar with or a varietal you're not as familiar with. Uh, hopefully it's not too strange um, unless that's the kind of thing you're into, unless you want that indie rock wine or whatever. Um, but uh, it's just like there's a way in which it, it bums me out sometimes that people view uh, the conversation, and this kind of comes back to where we started, the conversation between sommelier and guest as something that is in some way in adversarial or or you know oh well you know i have to show the sommelier that i know what i'm talking about or i'm worried that sommelier is going to think i don't know what i'm talking about or they're going to try and get me to order a wine that's way more expensive than i want and look those experiences definitely happen i don't mean to say they don't um i just think those are restaurants you should not go back to because in the end like the service industry is about making people comfortable and happy and if the doesn't matter the size and shape of the pin that someone's wearing if they can't do that for you they're not very good at their job you know you said everything that i think um everyone needs to hear that a lot of people don't really realize is you know is okay to expect um the one thing you said that i thought was really interesting um because I've, I've heard other people not say this so i was glad that you did was that you should feel comfortable to sign anything back um i've been told by other psalms well if there's something wrong send it back but if not like it's your fault you ordered it I'm, i've always been like are you really seriously going to say that? I mean, I like, think there's like there's like a there's a gradation here where to me it's like, you know, 
I mean, I would never not take back a bottle. Like to me, it's just it's not it's not worth the it's not worth it in like a, in a many many ways. And if that bottle of wine is if there's nothing wrong with it, then either I'll sell it to someone else, or we'll glass pour it, or I'll taste the staff on it, or whatever. Like again, there's nothing on my list that's like so uh, expensive or so whatever that like oh my god, right. like I, we're gonna I'm gonna get in trouble with the owner if this doesn't if like we have to eat the cost of this wine. Like that's just not an issue for me. There may be a few places in the in the country where that is there are theoretically wines that that could be an issue, and you hear like horror stories from Psalms and those kind of restaurants where someone orders, you know old Grand Cru Burgundy and they're like, oh, this is too, like, this is too weak. And they're like, well, why did you order a 30-year-old bottle of Pinot Noir if you don't want your wine to be kind of soft and, like, very, like, subtle? Like, maybe you should order something else. But, like, (laughs) but that's not an issue that I have. And I think it's not, I mean, again, we're not talking to those people. Like, those people are not, I mean, they're out there, I guess, but it's not a very, it's not a real issue. And so I just think there's a lot of people who don't, I mean, one thing we could have talked about and I didn't really mention was, like, if the wine doesn't smell good to you, like, that's a big, like, if the wine smells, whether it's, like, smells like vinegar or smells like, you know, horse shit or smells like someone's someone's basement, like, like, I would at least be like, hey, you know what, Do you to the psalm or whomever, like, do you mind checking this wine? Like, something seems wrong here and – or just like, I don't know, is this okay? Because, like, sometimes I'll open a bottle and, like, I'll get a whiff of cork taint and I'll just be like, nope, like, we're getting another bottle. Like, I, But I can't always tell because I'm not always, like, pouring a taste for myself and smelling it, obviously. Like, we don't have that kind of service. Um, I'm not yeah. carrying around a test van or whatever. So um, I think the – for, but it, again, it comes back to like, just like with food, right? Like, yeah, it's kind of shitty if someone walks in and they're like, I want this. And they bring out like, I don't like this. But like, that's part of it's built into the, you know, it's built into the pricing structure is to, to you know, to eat a certain amount of that literally. And so, you know, we part of the reason wine is marked up the way it is in restaurants is so that on the occasion that someone has a bottle they're not happy with, you can get them a new wine and not have to not have to make them pay for something they didn't enjoy and yeah Yeah. if they just like order something off a list and don't ask you or don't ask about it and they don't like it uh, you know or am i a little bit more hesitant to like am i more likely to sort of be like well let's talk about what you like let's figure this out before i open another bottle and have you send another bottle back but really like that happens so incredibly rarely and it's more often i think people drink something that they're not that either is a little bit flawed and they don't really understand, they're not able to tell me or they feel uncomfortable telling me that something seems wrong or they drink something that they don't like, but they just, they don't, people don't feel comfortable sending it back. I guess, I mean, I wish they did more because it would, to me, it's again, it's like we're here to make you, have you enjoy your experience. And if that means I have to go open another bottle of something, like, okay. Yeah, it's really crazy. The only time for me that it was like a little annoying to have to tell someone that a but a wine was corked was I was at a pizza restaurant with like some friends and I, I ordered a glass of wine cause no one else really wanted to like people were drinking cocktails, whatever. And they brought the wine over and it was so corked. Yeah. And I said something to the server and they were like, there's no, they can't be corked. Like we've been serving this, you know, all night. This is from, you know, this is a glass pour. And I was like, it is corked. Please bring me the bartender. And I, I will ask the bartender why they did not smell this first. Yeah. And the bartender walked over and was like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is really corked. And, you know, he had just like popped the bottle and, and had been pouring it. So there was like other people in the restaurant drinking this by the glass wine that yeah. was also corked. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Now I need to go grab the, the glasses for other people. And I was just like, yeah, like that sucks because that you should have smelled yourself. Like I yeah. get it with a bottle. You might want me to taste it first, but come on. Like this was a glass pour. Someone yeah. had to have smelled this first. Well, and it's also, it's like, there's, it's like that weird issue where sometimes you're in a place where like 
the wine service is so minimal that like it's harder yeah, exactly. almost to send a wine back and you're like oh god like it's really i mean i've done it because I, I mean again there's more cork bottles of wine out there than people tend to think and yep. um, it comes across and i tend to be just personally quite sensitive to it so i pick it up we had it Me I mean, we did a wine dinner last a week ago uh at my at my restaurant and like you know we had th- i opened three corked bottles um you know just happens and i was like you know one was you know really obviously corked the other two were more subtly corked and you know i proof everything before our dinner like that so it wasn't an issue we have extra bottles that's why we do all that but it was like man like i especially the two that weren't all that corked like i could totally believe that we would have served that to a guest and they might not have they might have just thought the wine was kind of not that great and wouldn't have been able they wouldn't have known that something was totally off and i would have felt bad if i ever found that out after the fact cuz i would have totally. felt you know like man they didn't get the experience and i probably you know especially if it's a wine i recommend or something like that and then it's something's wrong with it like i don't want them to think that i have terrible taste i'd rather them be like hey this doesn't seem right can you taste it but yeah. you know it's complicated you know people are uncomfortable especially nowadays i think well maybe always but there's you know probably the bigger pin someone has on the the less likely someone is to say something even if obviously doesn't matter if you're a master of some you can't look at a bottle and know it's corked. Well, I, I think that's very well said. Um, honestly, Doc, I think you've, you've, basically, you've made me feel a lot more confident about, uh, you know, having conversations with my SOM and understanding what they should know and what they shouldn't know um, and what's okay for them to not know, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, hopefully everyone else, too, feels a lot more confident about the conversations they can wind up having uh, when, you know, when they dine out and what they should be expected to, to you know, converse in return. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the most important thing to remember is, you know, the, to put yourself in a position where you can uh, ask questions, ask for help, um, but but be prepared to maybe also have some sense of what you want. Like, you know, it's also helpful for, for us in the industry to know, hey, this is what you like, this is what you don't like, and then we can find you the wine that's going to make that evening uh, just a little bit more special. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being my, our expert this week. Um, <laughs> Don't get used to it. It's not going to happen very yeah, often. Ne- yeah, next week we'll go back to uh, you know the conversation, and I, I won't put you on the spot as much, but uh, I appreciate you enlightening me and hopefully everyone else as well. Absolutely. Have a good one. I right, talk to you next week. Bye.